Oh, so Lisa, I am tired and I'm sure you are tired as well, but at least it's for a great reason. Um, I was logged in to the Outspoken Summit almost all weekend long. If I wasn't presenting or moderating the panel, I was listening in and we, we got some, some nuggets here. We got some good gems from the weekend. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. How was your weekend? Yeah, it was great. I mean, it was disappointing not to be in person, but I think that we managed to pack the weekend with some amazing workshops. I am just thrilled um, at how fantastic everyone was. And I got so much out of it in terms of wisdom and knowledge and ideas moving forward. So I definitely think there are a lot of highlights we can hit today. Sounds good. Let's dive in. I'm Dr. Shauna Payne-Gold, and I go by she, her, her pronouns. And I'm Dr. Lisa Ingefield, and I go by she, her, hers. Welcome to Unfazed, a podcast to disrupt your normal and challenge your brain to go the distance. So Lisa, back in the blocks back in the blocks. I just love how we are, uh, you know, trying to truly acknowledge where we are. You know, a lot of folks have either taken a break from training or had a forced break from training. Maybe uh, we're coming to through and beyond a pandemic and we're trying to uh, kind of reimagine what endurance sport can look like beyond a pandemic, which has afforded us the time to really reflect on think and think on what should be going on in endurance sports. So I'm really appreciative mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. uh, Outspoken even happened this year. Um, I realize it was probably a very painful decision not to have it in person, but the virtual, I mean, look, no love lost at all with the virtual. I mean, we had an incredible experience. I took away some things. I've got my little notebook out here with all my scribbled uh, chicken scratch notes. And, and I'm sure you took away some things as well. Um, but it was incredible. What'd you think? Yeah, I mean, I was nervous, right? Because part of what makes Outspoken so yeah. valuable is the in-person connection and um, spending those three days together in Tempe, Arizona. But yeah, I yeah, I was blown away, really. I felt so great about it. I mean, definitely tired for sure. And um, there is some sessions I'm going to be re-watching once, um, you know, once they're on the platform and attendees get emailed with access to that, then I think um, I will mm -hmm. be spending some time going back through because I don't want us to lose the momentum. You know, there was such a huge momentum yes. in um, 2020 and then moving into 2021 as things started to slowly get back to quote unquote normal, but we want to redefine mm. that normal, right? We really don't yeah. want to go back to 2019 normal. We want to think about how can we reinvent? How can we transform? And so I think this summit, I mean, obviously I'm a little biased, but I think this summit really <laughs> gave us some great tools and skills and issues to think about mm. moving forward. Mm hmm. Absolutely. Well, I, I know you have some takeaways, as do I. And I think, uh, you know, one of my first takeaways was from uh, Katie Zafaris in, in her keynote around that gratitude journal. I mean, there was tons we could take away from from her speech, but that gratitude journal and just stopping to think about 10 things that you're grateful for within a day. And I know it sounds kind of touchy feely and, you know, the, the emotional intelligence piece of things. But I do think. Um, I am not the type of person who likes to condone toxic positivity, meaning 
Let's look at everything that's positive and ignore everything that's not so positive. I'm not saying that at all, but I do think that finding things to be grateful for um, in the midst of really tough times is important. I think it can be an anchor. Uh, I'm not saying that it removes you from hard things, but it does uh, create a mainstay to say, wait a minute, I'm, I'm hopeful, I'm grateful. Um, one of my gratitude points almost every day, even if I don't have a list of things is, you know, if I woke up this morning and I have breath in my body, then I have another chance to do things better. And, and if that's all I got for the day, I'm okay with it. If, if my life mm-hmm, is all I have mm-hmm. for today, I'm good with it. And so I just really appreciated her reframing because in endurance sport, you know, we can head into a, a tailspin if we're, you know, five seconds off that run, you know, it, it's just so easy for us when we're data driven to uh, be so frustrated. And so I'm not going in the toxic positivity route, but I'm not, not uh, flogging myself on other things either. And so I think that was just a really boy- buoyant moment yeah. Um, yeah. in in her speech when she just talked about just, you know, kind of use this as an anchor. I just loved that um, when it came mm-hmm. to her talk. Uh, what, what were some things you thought about when she was speaking? Yeah, I mean, I was just so excited to have Katie um, as our yeah. opening keynote. I remember when I had suggested her to Sarah, I was like, do you think maybe we could get Katie Safaris? And um, so yeah. then we went about trying to do that. And she said yes. And I think that it was so, um, her talk, like you said, was so full of nuggets of um, pieces of information. For me, the thing that really landed was when she was talking about the exploratory mindset and how... You know, so many of us have preconceptions or kind of these rigid ideas about how things should be or how training should go, coaching should go, those kinds of things. But we need to approach issues, problems, ideas, um, schedules, tasks with a more exploratory mindset, thinking creatively um, to develop different kinds of solutions. Because we are so stuck sometimes, I think, in this is the way it's always been done. And um, that really limits our capacity to imagine and make real something different, you know. So when I'm thinking mm-hmm. about triathlon and endurance sport broadly moving forward with equity at the center, this idea of an exploratory mindset and being open and curious and willing to explore um, concepts and ideas that maybe seem out there, but perhaps are not right. And just being in a, a mindset where you're willing to have those conversations. Um, I thought that was so applicable to so many things. Absolutely. And you know, that, that I love that because, you know, as she was speaking of that, some of the first things I was thinking about was, you know, how many times, especially when you're training for, for a specific event, but how many times have I, been in that run miserable because I'm solely trying to hit that time rather than exploring how my body feels or exploring a new run route, or maybe I'm exploring a different time. Maybe I run at sunset rather than at sunrise, whatever it is. Um, And then, you know, to your point of kind of this post pandemic feeling of this new normal, you know, exploring what that can be rather than reverting back to the old normal, because, you know, that was one of the things, Lisa, you and I talked about initially that we weren't too hip on people going back to, oh, let's hurry up and get back to the, get back to normal. And I'm thinking to myself, normal wasn't all that great. Okay. And, and we can improve upon that. So I, I love that. I could see it applied both on a individual level, but also Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm, a a mm -hmm. larger level. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And now Dr. Lavoie, 
mind blowing. Okay. I jumped in. I'm going to have to go back and listen to the replay because I jumped in about 15 minutes late, but oh my goodness, that was incredible because some of the things that she spoke on, um, first, first of all, hashtag she can coach. Ooh, I love that. That just uh, made like all the hairs on my arm stand up when she mentioned, uh, Mm -hmm. tagging wonderful, uh, women coaches. That was just incredible. Uh, but also, reading through this whole idea of benevolent sexism or benevolent racism, meaning that people are still sexist and still racist, but it's wrapped in kindness that seems to be more palatable. And it also runs runs an interference on us really speaking truth to power or truth to inequity when, oh, but they're so nice. Well, they're nice, but they also called you out of your name, you know, in, in a backhanded compliment or a backhanded statement. And so I just loved how uh, she kind of articulated that in a, in one of the visuals uh, that she presented to us. And it just made me think of, you know, let's not assume that someone isn't uh, laden or their thoughts aren't laden in sexism, racism, or other constructs that work against particular groups, especially women, just because they're kind or just because it, it's almost like, um, you know, putting the medicine in the applesauce, as we used to say, it's like something really tastes bad, even though it's being masked by something good. And and I'm not interested in that. I, I want to know who I'm working with. And so I can either hopefully mm-hmm, transform mm-hmm. our relationship or I can exit, you know, I can make my way out of there. So yeah, that, that one yeah. was just incredible. It was really incredible. Yeah. Being nice doesn't mean that you're not, um, peddling in racist or sexist tropes, right? Like I think a really good example of that is chivalry. And I, you know, a lot of folks don't Mm. understand why chivalry is a problem. Um, I mean, from my perspective, it just reinforces the status quo that, you know, women are Mm -hmm. kind of pedestaled, um, fragile, delicate, need to be protected and cared for, you know? So like uh, a dude opening a door for me, yeah, on its face, that's nice, thanks. Um, but it's embedded in this notion that I'm not able to do that for myself. And I'm sure people disagree with me and think that I'm overreacting. And, you know, maybe I am in some cases, but I think that whole system of chivalry is a great example of benevolent sexism, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I, yeah. I see that a lot, right? Just, you know, a nice person could still, mm-hmm. you know, behave in a racist or sexist way. And, you right. know, right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I loved um, Dr. Lavoie's talk. I mean, she does some amazing work, her and her colleagues at the Tucker Center for the for research on girls and women in sport, I think is the full title and it's out of the University of Minnesota. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I would really recommend folks going to that website and taking a look at all the research, um, particularly around coaching, you know, and one of the interesting things that came up in the um, roundtable that we had afterwards is we were talking with folks from USAT and there's a high percentage of women that go through their certification for um, coaching at the triathlon. Mm -hmm. So the level one triathlon coaching, there's Mm -hmm. either 50, 50 or slightly more women. I can't remember, but then as you go up through the coaching certifications to level two and to level three, then that percentage drops. And so you see the um, balance shift towards men as you go into those um, smaller numbers as you get higher. And more investigation needs to be done into that. That was just kind of a, um, Mm -hmm. you know, off the cuff comment. But one of my questions was thinking, yeah, so we're training a ton of women coaches, but how long are women coaches staying in coaching? 
you know, right, right, uh, what right. struggles do they encounter? You know, is the attrition quite severe? Like, I don't know the answer to that, but do we train people and then there's a mm. massive drop off, you know, within the first yeah. year of coaching? Yeah. And so um, those numbers might be a bit deceiving. Um, yeah, well, so and, and things. You, you're bringing such a good point up. And we even talked about that um, later on just around, you know, you're right. Let's say we do have increasing numbers that go through those levels of certification, but there's also challenges in regards to the sexism that emerges from lots of athletes who say they don't want to be trained by a woman. They, they don't want to be coached right, by right. a woman. And so, you know, you can have all the certifications, which is still challenging, but even if you have all the certifications and they want to be a full-time coach, if folks aren't buying in or if we aren't supporting our own, then what then happens to them? Because they have to live. They want to do what they love. Um, but obviously that's not going to work out if the the demand for them is not there. Um, I've always had mm -hmm, a woman coach mm -hmm. uh, since, since I started in triathlon. So, you know, I, that made me really think think hard about who do I choose. Um, and that's not to discount men. I think we should um, we should definitely interview and find who's the best match for us, but not to automatically discount women coaches, um, especially men who may be listening to this podcast, um, not automatically discounting a woman because uh, she's not the gender right. you know? Right. And and some of that's unconscious bias, right? It's in the back that this kind of belief right. that women are not going to be as good a, good a coach and, uh, you right. know, and that's borne out by universities across the country hiring um, more male NCAA coaches than women. And, you know, women's teams at the NCAA level across all sports are still primarily coached by men, you know, and you'd think that would be a pretty easy area to match a women coach with um, women teams right. when there are so many amazing right. women, women coaches across the US. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, and this coaching conversation ties into the session I went to with Dr. Vera Lopez. Um, she is a professor at Arizona State University, and she is doing research into uh, Latinx girls in sport and their participation in sport and the barriers that they face and assumptions people make about them. And so she's done a lot of work interviewing coaches around um, the engagement of girls broadly, but then Latinx girls in particular and it was really clear from her research the ways in which um, that benevolent sexism and benevolent racism comes into high school coaching of girls' teams and particularly the assumptions coaches are making about um, Latinx girls and family support and the belief that families won't want their girls to participate in sport or um, that Latinx girls are just not interested in sport and then you know, this kind of um, a couple of coaches talked about how they, you know, on this team, you're going to be treated like an athlete. You're not going to be treated like a girl. And so there's no place for being a girl here. Right. But what's not being said is that when they say treated like an athlete, what they're meaning is we're going to treat you like a boy. We're going to treat you like a male because right. athlete right. is coded as male and masculine. Right. So right. it was really interesting, her research. And I think when we talk about endurance sports and increasing the number of women and folks of color who are participating, we have to start early, right? Because that pipeline, that pipeline right. of getting folks in is really important. And if we're regurgitating as white people in particular, as coaches, these problematic mm -hmm. messages, because that's just what we believe because we haven't been taught anything different um, at a young age, then we are mm -hmm. erecting barriers um, to participation yeah. without even realizing it. 
Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You're, you're making me think. So um, my youngest son Kendrick just had his last game of the season in flag football. And I was so thrilled this past Saturday. That's part of the reason why I didn't get to see all of the, uh, the weekend of, of outspoken live. Um, But I was attending his last flag football game of the season. And there's a little girl that's on his flag football team. And, you know, when I first started showing up to his practices and so forth, I, I wanted to just kick a tire or something because I remember being a little girl wanting to play on the football team and those sexist tropes of, oh, no, you don't want to do that or that's not what girls do or what have you. All those things that I heard um, when I was little and, you know, I, w- I wanted to go up to the parents like, thank you for sending your little girl out here and um, at the game on um, on Saturday afternoon. She was just precious because not only was she out there, she was just as athletic, if not more so than the boys, as even my own son. Um, and I know that that pink comes with lots of different uh, issues uh, when it comes to uh, gender. But her parents had her because obviously it was very cold here on the East Coast. I think it was about uh, it was under 50 degrees during the game. Um, and she had pink sleeves showing out from under her uniform. So there was no way that you could miss Even with a sexist eye, there was no way that you could miss that there was a little girl performing really highly on his team. And she got her first touchdown of the season as well. And and it was so funny. You could hear people cheering. And then there were these, you know, little whispers around, oh, that's a little girl. That's a little girl. And so, you know, again, it was the assumption that the whole team was filled with boys when it wasn't. And, you know, at what point do we get to a place where we break those assumptions? You know, when when I was in high school, they wouldn't let us play football. Mm-hmm, in fact, mm-hmm. they had um, the junior high school class of girls against the senior high school class of girls each year called the Powder Puff football game at my high school. Right? Oh, I've heard of that. Yeah. Yes. I, I cannot wait until the day that that need not exist. It doesn't need to exist now. But, you know, just knowing that they were trying to give girls the separate but unequal opportunity to play a game that we know how to play so anyway that little girl just uh really stoked up some things in me and and dr lopez definitely hit the nail on the head in regards to you know how Mm -hmm. it's baked Mm -hmm. into the system um but then look khadijah did her thing for (laughs) the keynote i mean Every time she speaks, I'm just in awe. I almost didn't get to write down notes because I just get so much into her story. But what I appreciated about her talk was around how not only are we trying to have gender equity and religious equity in various identity groups, but it's not just doing it for the sake of doing it, but we're actually filling space with excellence, which I loved. Meaning that, and I've I've heard this happen so many times before, you know, Roll back to our episode on hiring, for example, where there seems Mm -hmm, to be this mm -hmm. trade off between, oh, well, we want diversity, but it's going to come at the price of having to lower the standard when, in fact, we're adding to the standard, you know, countless people that I know that are filling the space of endurance sport and have performed on the highest levels. You know, those are things that, you know, we don't want to admit because it's easier to say, oh, okay, we're, we're sacrificing performance when no, we're actually adding to performance. I really appreciated her perspective on that. Um, Yeah. And, you know, I, I think we could go a long way with that perspective of, you know, it's kind of that idea in education that we talk about a lot, Lisa, around inclusive excellence, that we are inherently more excellent as an endurance sport community Uh when we have Uh 
inclusion. And so yeah. I think she hit the nail yeah. on the head on that. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, um, she was the um, keynote speaker before the Outspoken Women in Awards, which was our third year of hosting the award ceremony. And we got to um, delight in the amazingness of so many women across the country right. who were doing phenomenal work. Um, and so we were able to celebrate their accomplishments and the, you know, nine winners of our awards this year um, are so deserving in so many ways. And so if you want to catch up on the awards, um, you can view that actually on our out Outspoken Facebook page. It was recorded live and is available to everyone. You didn't need to be registered for the summit to see that. So you can go back and watch and see who won. And then the Outspoken Women in Try Instagram account also will be posting recaps about who won. So definitely check that out. I think, you know, overall for me, um, you know, looking back, reflecting on the whole summit, it was the interconnectedness of everything um, that really struck me. I mean, I put together the educational curriculum and so obviously the intention was for it to be connected and not, not disparate, but more than I realized, I think, as I listened to the sessions, how connected everything is and how we cannot extricate ourselves from the history of this country and the history of exclusion yes. in sport and broadly. Um, mm -hmm. When we're thinking about how do we move forward in endurance sports, how do we move forward in triathlon and really, really change systems so that they are more equitable. I mean, you know, like the lack of women and girls in sport, the lack of women and girls of color in sport is connected to media representation and a lack of role models. That's connected Absolutely. to body image. That's connected to the assumption that women and girls aren't good enough, aren't fast enough, aren't strong enough, which is also connected to kind of racial stereotypes. Um, it's connected to mm -hmm. white supremacy and masculinity and how masculinity is tied with strength. And therefore we assume that athletes are male, which then leads to training and coaching strategies and products designed only for men, which leaves women out and leaves girls mm -hmm. out and coaches don't know how to talk about periods and girls don't play sport because of periods and they can't afford pads and tampons because we had Josephine Kwan from yes. um, Flow to Freedom who also did a great presentation on period poverty. And so just, you know, throughout the weekend, I was just making these connections around we, mm -hmm. these things don't happen in isolation, right? And it's really important for all of us in endurance sport who are committed to change and inclusivity to really identify those connections, like connect the dots, right? It, none of these things Absolutely. are happening in a vacuum. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's all connected together. And, you know, that's been our job for a long time, Lisa, is putting those dots a little closer together so that people can connect them. And I think that's what Outspoken is doing. They're doing a great job of putting those dots together so that we can see that, you know, all of this really forms this entire, you know, web of uh, intersections, but also inequities. And how can we tug on one thing to tug on another so thereby we can all kind of lift each other up at the same time. So, you know, kudos to the entire team that made Outspoken run as smoothly as possible, considering the the quick uh, shift and, and pivot, if you will, as Michelle Obama would say, the quick pivot um, and, and making it a wild success um, for this year. And I'm just really Super excited about next year, hopefully being in person. Um, I wanted to, yep. I, I yep. had the 
I had the Denzel Washington glory tear like going down my face oh. when I had to cancel my <laughs> flight and, and my hotel. Yep. I was looking forward to staying at the graduate. Yep. Uh, but anyhow, um, I was kind of uh, in my feelings a little bit, um, even though, you know, yes, travel is interesting these days, but still wanted to be around my people. Um, but yeah, looking forward to 2022. Um, Lisa, can you uh, give us a hint whether it's going to be uh, still in November or not, or we're just going to wait and see? Well, I think it probably is a wait and see, but I, there's no plans right now to change the time. It's usually going to be that middle no, middle weekend in November. We obviously pay attention to U.S. Thanksgiving and the right. NCAA championships and right. Ironman Arizona kind of come into play. And then ASU has right. a bunch of home games, football games that we have to consider too. But um, mm-hmm. my sense is it'll be around the same time and probably back in Tempe, Arizona. So, you know, block off a couple of weekends in November if you want to join us. <laughs> do, do that right now so you, you don't forget. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, well, you know, we really need to make sure people know about the Shift Sports Inclusive Leadership yes, Academy, do. Lisa. Yes, Ooh, this was kind of a, a, a brainchild uh, between you, myself, and Gabby Nunez. So, you know, let's let's tell folks about that too, really quickly before we move on. Yeah, so we are hoping in the spring to host a probably around three-day intensive that would be the Shift Sports Inclusive Leadership Academy, and it's aimed at folks who work in endurance sports, so whether you're a coach, race director, uh, industry professional, and you want to move your organization forward in terms of diversity, equity, and inclusion, and so we are looking at this professional development opportunity for a small cohort to come together and um you know, really dig in, really take um, knowledge acquisition and self-reflection to the next level. So we are pretty excited about this opportunity. We're hoping it will be in person, perhaps some hybrid pieces to it too. We haven't quite figured out the the details, Mm -hmm. but um, Mm -hmm. we see that there's a need um, to go deeper. And so Shift Sports, so Gabby, Sean, or myself are hoping to offer that to folks. Absolutely. And so Lisa, we can certainly drop the interest link um, into the show notes for this uh, this particular episode of the podcast, just to get a sense of who would be interested in this type of work. And I love this because I think, Lisa, we're going to kind of hit the sweet spot between those who aren't quite novice at diversity, equity, and inclusion work, but they definitely want to go to the next level of, of change within their organization. Mm-hmm, so I'm, mm-hmm. I'm thrilled about this. So looking forward to spring, y'all. Yeah. Okay. And then for folks who weren't able to make the summit, uh, hot off the press, I just uh, learned that we are going to be selling access to those videos. Um, So you'll need to check the Feisty Triathlon website uh, later this week, or I guess this will be launching. Yeah, nope, this is coming out tomorrow. So this is a super Mm. fresh episode. So later this week, you will have access to purchase... um, uh, mm-hmm. those videos. And I would strongly encourage folks to do that um, because there was just so, so many pearls of wisdom dropped from our keynote speakers to our workshops, to the leadership panel that Shauna um, facilitated. Gosh, we didn't even talk about the leadership panel. There was so oh, much. It was so good. good. It was so uh, good. Information yeah. there. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So we would definitely encourage folks to check that out. We'll include the link um, to that in the show notes, although it's potentially not going to be ready by Tuesday, but we are working hard to make that happen. And then for those of you who are at the summit, you do get access to those recorded sessions. So for those sessions that you missed because you were in another one, you will get to review those. So just Mm -hmm. watch your email on that. All right. So that was a great recap. So how about we wrap up today with our segment? Hell yeah. Hell nah. Hell yeah. Hell nah. 
Y'all know this is my new favorite portion of every podcast. Um, I want to highlight for the hell yeah, I want to highlight House of Athlete. Um, I was uh, told about a particular podcast called I Am Athlete, and it's hosted by a number of retired NFL athletes. And I love it because it, it kind of marries together um, mental health, specifically for men, actually. So I feel like I'm a little bit of a voyeur when it comes to this. Um, but I think what's been really interesting is that uh, Brandon and Michi Marshall, uh, Brandon it w- had, what, 13 years in the NFL, uh, and his wife, who has graduate degrees in mental health, they not only launched the I Am Athlete podcast that helps men with mental health, uh, but they also started a brand, a branded house of athlete, um, where they have all kinds of uh, lifestyle clothing designs, et cetera, including what's your number? Uh, they usually ask this question at the beginning of every podcast. What's your number? Um, if you had to score between uh, one and 10 on your mental health, physical health, emotional health and business, for example. And so one of the reasons why I'm shouting them out with a hell yeah is because I went online, I saw Michi um, with these fantastic uh, boy shorts that I really loved. I thought that would be really cool. And they're kind of in the color block throwback, you know, 80s, early 90s version of these shorts. And when I went to pick out a pair of shorts, I'm thinking, oh, okay, as usual, the headache of figuring out what size works for my body. And when I pulled it up, they were extremely gender neutral. And I'm not saying gender neutral as in men's small, men's medium, men's large, but gender neutral as in inches, because inches are the same on everybody, (laughs) whatever those inches are. And so I so appreciated that they took that viewpoint um, and for a number of reasons when it comes to mental health, but also when it comes to acknowledging uh, how gender has played such a big role in fashion, especially in the United States and how they took that to a different place. So good job, House of Athlete. Um, I know you listen to this podcast right now, uh, but (laughs) Thank you for uh, considering all body types as well as mental health mm-hmm. issues. So yeah, mm-hmm. they're they're one of my new favorites, Lisa. Okay, that's great. I do love it when former professional athletes take on a really important issue and then use their platform to mm-hmm. um, push that forward. I think it's just such a good use of their name and their brand power. Um, Absolutely, you know, contributing yeah. to social change and. Um, So I will definitely check that out. All right. For this week's Hell No, as many of you probably know, the COP26 UN Climate Conference that was being held in Glasgow wrapped up and there were 200 countries approximately there and delegates from each of those countries have been negotiating over the weekend to come to some kind of agreement, which they did reach. But unfortunately, it is not at the level needed to divert a climate catastrophe. And so a number of smaller countries like the Maldives and other small islands um, Mm -hmm. in the Pacific and such, South Pacific, you know, are pretty concerned because with rising sea levels and such, um, they are going to be most affected. And so there is this um, Mm -hmm. uh, feeling um, that richer countries do not care very much for poorer countries, smaller countries that are going to be most impacted by climate change. And so I have a quote here from the Washington Post. Saturday's agreement does not achieve the most ambitious goal of the 2015 Paris Accord to limit Earth's warming to 1.5 degrees Celsius, which is 2.7 degrees Fahrenheit. 
above pre-industrial levels. Instead, delegations left Glasgow with the earth still on track to blow past that threshold toward a future of escalating weather crises and irreversible damage to the natural world. So um, pretty disappointing. Mm. And I know that there are a significant number of climate activists um, of the next generation um, in Glasgow trying to push their politicians and their leaders to do something more and stop putting profit over people's lives and over um, the future of this planet. And it just sounds like it just did not go far enough. And, mm-hmm. you know, Shauna, you, I, you myself and Gabby talked about sustainability and climate change in our session on yes. mm-hmm. things to think about for um, endurance sport in 2022 and how we need to be as athletes, as coaches, as race directors doing more in this area and, yeah. um, really thinking about the earth and sustainability as we participate in these events. Yeah, absolutely. You know, throw back to our episode where we hosted uh, Heather McTeer, Tony, who actually was uh, there in Glasgow um, coming together for that UN climate conference. And, you know, one of the things that she said on our podcast is that if you are in endurance sport, if you are uh, a triathlete, then you are already in the area of climate issues. You are already in this area. So all those times when you got pissed because your swim got canceled or you had to take a different bike route because your route was flooded or all these different things that occur, there's even been times where uh, portions of my race have been shortened because the heat was literally too much. Um, When bike tires are melting because the pavement is over 100 degrees. All of that happened for a reason. And so I I appreciated uh, Heather's point of view on that, but this really bears uh, bears out a lot of things for us um, trying to do the sport we love, but also to have a healthy earth on which to do it. So a lot of, a lot mm-hmm, of stuff to think mm-hmm. about there. Yeah, absolutely. Think about. All right. Yeah. Well, I think that's a wrap for this week. Anything you want to add at the end here, Shona? Oh, nothing new other than please don't forget to reach out to us and let us know if you had any reflections on the Outspoken Summit, things that you enjoyed and or appreciated. Um, and also too, you know, let us know if you have a hell yeah or a hell no nah you'd like for us to feature on the podcast. We're here. Um, we're excited about uh, going into this last bit of the year, but Outspoken, we, we had to stop and uh, do a, a quick recap. So Lisa, kudos to uh i want to pat us on the back all of us that (laughs) had even a small lift or a heavy lift when it came to executing outspoken in really tumultuous times but i think it was just fabulous so well done outspoken summit the unfazed podcasts and all things feisty triathlon are grateful to be supported by inside tracker inside tracker cuts through the noise of diet and wellness trends by analyzing your blood DNA, and lifestyle to provide you a personalized, science-backed, trackable action plan on how to live, age, and perform better. Inside Tracker is a simpler, cheaper, and more convenient option than traditional blood tests, and their test includes biomarkers that are key to performance that you don't get from the traditional option. What we love about them? They don't just give you data. They provide you with nutrition and lifestyle tips to take action. Inside Tracker is offering 25% off their entire store to the Feisty Triathlon community. To claim your offer, go to insidetracker.com slash feisty triathlon. Unfazed, a podcast produced by Live Feisty Media and supported by the Outspoken Women in Triathlon Summit. Edited and produced by the fabulous Lindsay Glassford. Email us at info at unfazedpodcast.com and find us on social at try to defy at dr gold speaks 
or at Outspoken Women in Try. I'm Lisa. I'm Shauna. Thanks for listening. Stay unfazed, folks. See you next time.